The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Intercepted for Agby Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by my good friend, Keegan Abdu. Is it Abdu? Abdu. I never you got it. I got it. Keegan Abdu from, from uh, Next Gen Stats. Say what's up to people, Keegan. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you here because every week it, it's another week of you just being really excited about the Giants winning football games. <laughs> you're like i can't believe this happened last week what you were at you were at like a giants bar just like, yeah that cannot the, believe that, that was like the, that was the one loss so that's that might be a bad luck maybe i need to be in the office and like tur- just watching on a second screen for the giants to win but um yeah i will <laughs> be in the office this sunday at 6 30 a.m pacific that should be fun <laughs> i'm not excited about that either yeah you and me are both on the west coast yeah. What time? What time are you gonna have to wake up for this game? I mean, we office. usually don't need to get into the office until like 15 minutes before the game, and it's like at that time it'll be like a 20 minute commute. So I could probably 5:30. 5:30. It's still fun. not fun. It's still fun. not fun. I don't like not these games. I don't and like these the, London games. And then the uh, the Rams have a home game, and I was supposed to get out of there after the late slate but you know the traffic's going to be an hour to get out of there because we share the same space as SoFi, so it should be a fun sunday goodness gracious all right the new york giants the green bay packers we're going to london there is the first matchup of teams above 500 in london somehow first ever first ever wow. first ever there's a lot of jags games it's a lot of G- sub five hundred Jags games in there. I went one to in- oh, in actually um, in twenty fourteen. I went to the Lions Falcons game in London, and it might have been the worst game of football I've ever seen. It was, I don't know if you remember this, but the Lion. I think it was the Falcons tried like a wide receiver screen to Julio on third and ten, down like three two points with two minutes to go and like it fell incomplete and both teams were like missing field goals in the fourth quarter actively trying to lose like it was a mess hopefully this will be better than that how how give me the temperature check on giants fans right now do do they think they're gonna win this game all the way in right now they're all the way in um at least from my uh giants fans group chat um we are a very confident 
uh, folk right now. You know, it's it's playoffs or bust right now. And, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we also, this is our first winning record since 2016. So let us live a little bit. That is funny that it's it's full playoffs or bust. The Eagles look like the best team in the NFC and the Cowboys with the backup quarterback are still three and one. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But like, who's, who's getting those other wild card spots? I mean, that's true. I mean, if you look at it, it's like teams that we talked about coming into the, the uh, season, it was like the saints, the Cardinals, those, those teams haven't impressed recently. Nothing. So the Rams look, very Rams bad. are no good. I think yeah. I think the Niners are going to win the NFC West by a good that. margin. That offensive line is just too banged up. The Rams defense is just stars and scrubs, and then Stafford doesn't look right. Like that's just too much to overcome. We were doing something for the Rams game yesterday. They have the lowest pressure in the league right now. I believe it. It's just Donald. Out of Donald. Yeah. Anything, anyone other than Donald. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. <sighs> Okay, let's th- let's talk about how some of these teams match up. So, Jair Alexander is still on the injury report as of now. Um, you know, who knows about I, I the tackles um were limited on Wednesday, but we assume that they're going to play. Um Elton Jenkins hasn't been looking good at right tackle. I don't know no, I don't know if you have numbers on that. But uh I actually did find something um there in terms of just how much better the Packers have been running to the left. They're averaging 6.6 yards per carry to the left compared to 3.8 going to the right. Hmm. Um, and I know like from you were, your article is more from like a pass protection perspective. He's just been yeah. wide please. So hopefully uh, Oregon strong Kayvon Thibodeau could uh, take advantage of that on Sunday. How's Kayvon been looking? Cause he's only played two games, right? He's only played two games. Um, I mean, He's definitely acclimating. He looks a little lost out there at times, um, but he's made a few good plays. Um, he's definitely a fucking freak out there. Like just the length he has. It was there was one uh, pressure he had on Justin Fields, like chasing him on a rollout, and he's just like flailing his arms everywhere, looking like a steaming train. But um, yeah, Aziz. Uh, um, I can never pronounce his last name, but Ojolari. Yeah, Ojolari. Uh, he's also on the injury report right now, which would be tough to loss because he's really important for our run defense and getting any pass rush from the edge. Um, but uh, I know Leonard Williams has been practicing this week, so from our perspective, that's probably yeah. The Packers fans think they're banged up, but then you look at the Giants injury report, and it's seven guys were DMP on Wednesday. Yeah. Seven more were limited. Uh-huh. You know, you're talking about two quarterbacks, four wide receivers, <laughs> Leonard Williams. Like that's a it's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, the wide receiver room. What is that like right now? Because all we hear from like a national perspective is people just pointing at Kenny Galladay and being like, "Bad contract, bad contract." Yeah. I mean, Galladay is worthless. Uh, <laughs> Wandale can't get on the field. Tony can't get on the field. Uh, I was actually pretty. Um, excited to see that Slayton played a lot in week four. He played 39 snaps, I believe, and hadn't played over 10 all season. I've always thought Slayton's one of our better receivers, though. But, you know, Shepard's out for the year. Uh, the Giants did shift to a lot of 13 and 12 personnel. Like, they cut their 11 personnel in half in week four, so I would expect that to continue, especially if, you know, we're going in with banged-up 
quarterbacks and just yeah. going to pound the rock and try and shorten this game. But um, yeah, we also lost uh, Aaron Robinson, our cornerback. Uh, he was actually playing pretty uh, well the first few weeks, but he's out for an extended period of time. Um, yeah. Injury bug is hitting again. <laughs> so as far as the quarterback goes, right. Daniel Jones had the ankle injury goes out of the game. They put in Tyrod Taylor. I actually watched um, the late game of uh, Giants Bears just to prepare for this. The the announcers went in on Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor took a hit on a scramble, which led to the concussion and him being right. pulled out. And they're like, you're the backup quarterback. You can't be doing that. There's not another quarterback behind you. The, the announcers went nuts. They went bonkers. Um, so obviously Tyrod. That's Tyrod's game, though. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Um, but Tyrod goes out. Right. And then they have to put Daniel Jones in back in. And it's and like they put him at receiver. And they put like him at receiver fucking, uh, Saquon and for like five plays. They just yeah. have Saquon run wildcat, just student body left, student body right. Yeah. And then I think they realize like we don't have enough wildcat plays. Yeah. And then they have to start putting him in the gun. And what they end up doing, it was funny because the last, the last, so the penultimate drive, the second half of the drive, they're just in split back gun. And then uh, the last drive, they're in split back gun too. And it's basically just like, we have two running backs. Daniel Jones can't throw the ball, but at least if we have two running backs. You don't know which one is getting the ball. Exactly. It was Even chaos. Mostly going to be Saquon or you would hope. But yeah. I mean, Green has got some juice, but you know, yeah, it's it was, it was a chaos. chaos that they were able to, that they were able to ice the game like that. How embarrassing for the Chicago Bears that you yeah. could not stop an offense without a quarterback at the professional level. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, the Packers have talked about all week, you know, especially coming off of that New England game where they had three guys bust off, you know, explosive runs. Um yards per carry have been really high against the Packers run defense uh mm-hmm. this season. I think I saw it's like the highest since like 2006 or something like that. Um, they also have the lowest defensive success rate by far. So it's just consistent gains uh, yeah. against running back carries. Specifically. They just don't get penetration. I think, you know, Kenny's Kenny's doing solid in that aspect, but um, I think Jerron Reed has like two cleanup TFLs, which are usually off of like uh, Kenny Clark. I don't know if you want to call like we should probably figure out some way to call like pressures in the run game. Yeah, like, no, yeah, like like a, a like a defensive lineman like plugging a gap. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. So like Jerron Reed has got like two cleanup TFLs off of like Kenny Clark run pressures, and then I don't think Dean Lowry's gotten one yet. And those guys are your starting three four ends. Um, you know they're playing a lot of three four fronts, and then they play penny front too, right? Which is like yeah. the one linebacker nickel which has all those guys on the field and they're just not able to get these guys they're not able to get any penetration plays and it's so hard to play defense without penetration plays and this issue has gone back to like last year like if you look at Mm -hmm. the yards before contact allowed for the Packers like they are a full half yard more than any other team going back to last year so I mean they they just have no push up front and hopefully the Giants who are averaging I think one, one of the top yards before contact, especially, you know, going to Andrew Thomas's side. Hopefully Giants can take advantage of that. I I think they're going to be able to beat them up a little bit. The Packers staff has been talking about, you know, all week, but we got to stop the run game. You know, this is the best running back in the league right now. 
in terms of like what he's putting out there on film and production wise and all that stuff. If they just lean in on Saquon, I'm legit afraid. I saw a stat and it was like uh, Daniel Jones has only attempted like three passes of like 20 plus yards or something like that this season. And yeah, I mean, both of these offenses are super conservative in the passing game. I mean, both Jones and Rodgers rank in the bottom three of air yards per attempt. Yeah. But the Packers just play like spot drop quarters a lot of times, especially yeah. against these condensed formations. That's where it shows up the much is the most is you get into these condensed formations and then, you know, that corner is outside leverage, 10 yards off the ball, like very clearly going to play quarters around like bunch receivers and stuff like that. And it just gets frustrating when people are like, well, how do, how do we stop this? And it's like, I don't know. The the staff seems really to be, to do it. yeah, the, the staff seems like they want to do this. You know, they're, they're getting lucky on some turnovers. You know, they did against uh, the Patriots. They did against the Buccaneers. Um, but Man, it it would be nice to see adding a guy to the box every once in a while. And they talked about it this week as like a tendency breaker, but they're not going to change kind of their philosophy on football. And they, their blitz rate, I, I see you have it down as 38% fifth in the league. Blitz rate is just five, or are you talking yeah, sitting inside? Five. So yeah. I, I know you guys, in those penny fronts, you know, that would be considered a yeah. sending five there. Yeah, because they're they're sending five almost every single time in the penny front, where it's just you know basically the down linemen and then the edge rushers, but they're not sending like an actual inside linebacker. I think they sent, I think through the first three weeks they sent like two two actual blitzes. There was like a green dog in there and stuff with Quay, but like they're not sending anyone that's not on the line of scrimmage. They're just kind of relying on these guys, and you know Kenny's doing great. Um, Rashawn obviously is. is he's third in defensive player of the year odds right now, which to me seems crazy, but like, I guess. And then, you know, Preston's doing a pretty good job too. I know he's kind of weird because they use him kind of as like their drop outside linebacker, even though he's massive. I mean, he's got, he's got a belly on him and he's the one dropping as an outside linebacker. And sometimes that frustrates fans, but kind of in the system when they're in penny and stuff, I mean, they're just letting him go after the quarterback too. I think that he's, blitzing at his highest rate since joining the Packers too. I think he's yeah. up to like 95% this year. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um man, this game can just get like weird. So I'm, get- I'm, I'm just my biggest worry from the Giants offensive side is, you know, I looked at uh, Rashawn Gary and like where he's been lining up. Week 1 they kind of switched sides, but then, you know, in week 2, 3 and 4 they put him at left or right edge on majority of the snaps. Um and in week 3 they put him they switched him to right edge uh to take advantage of Josh Jones or whoever the backup left tackle was for the uh Buccaneers. So I'm I'm worried they're just going to throw him across from Evan Neal all game and Evan Neal is just going to overextend, trip over his own feet and Rashawn Gary is going to just force a turnover to that way. But so how has Evan Neal been? Because Evan Neal was a guy that, you know, people really liked coming out of the draft. I mean, people even talked about him as a potential first-round pick. When when the Giants drafted uh, Thibodeau and Evan Neal, they were like, they might have gotten the two best guys yeah. out of this draft class, right? So I know I know he's on the injury report, but I haven't been paying too much attention. Like I said, I watched the Giants, uh, the end of game, like the last three drives or whatever it was against the Bears, but I haven't been play, paying that close of attention to him. 
Neil's been rough, especially in pass sets. Um, from a run blocking perspective, like he's a big body and he can get in the way, but he definitely like, oversets, overextends himself, and that can get him in trouble. He looks lost out there sometimes, but you know, I'm still bullish on him long term. I mean, look at how Andrew Thomas looked his rookie year and how he's developed into maybe a top three left tackle in the league now. Um, he's got talent. It's just it's been a rough start. Um, I just think as long as we can get our our offensive line is so much better run blocking uh, than pass blocking. So as long as we can stay ahead of the sticks and get consistent gains, that's that's our path to winning pretty much. Because Daniel Jones, as soon as he drops back to pass, if it is Daniel Jones at all, but, you know, he holds onto the ball longer than any quarterback and fights pressure. He's been pressured at a top three rate every season of his career. That's never going to change. And then, you know, he can ball out when he is pressured because he can't sense pressure. So he'll throw a 30 yard pass every once in a while, but also fumble six times. So how how big do you think an ankle injury is going to be for him? Because the giants haven't made a move at the quarterback position, right? They only have one guy on the practice squad in Webb. Um, you would assume that Tyrod isn't going to be able to, I don't know what concussion protocol even is in the NFL anymore because yeah, I'm going to, I, I got you. <laughs> I, I don't know what the concussion protocol in the NFL is anymore because like, I don't know if you can like fly with like without being cleared from the concussion sure protocol. Flew down though, right? Yeah. Dude, yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's just weird with an international game. I don't know how yeah. that impacts everything. Um, But you would assume that like Webb is going to be activated, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be Daniel Jones. But yeah. Daniel Jones with the ankle injury seems like a pretty big deal. You see all these stats and it's like the the way he's running the ball in terms of like the touchdowns and all that stuff. Yeah. It's the like option. only compared to like Vic and like in, in Lamar. And it's, yeah. it seems like a pretty big deal. It seems yeah, like a pretty big deal if he's banged I up. Mean, it's, our buddy Steven Weez actually just did a, a podcast about the Giants just lean completely into the option run game and just run the Eagles offense. And like I – Use use uh, Daniel Jones as like a battering ram. Why not? I mean, let's just go and try and win these games. But um, I'm I'm very worried about him with an ankle injury because the past game too has been like all rollouts too. Like it, it, it's rollout, find oh, the so guy he's just on the, in the flat, and you know just get a consistent game. Like that's where our offense has been good this year is getting. Jones on the move in the run game, having him scramble or having him on his nine rollout. I am not bullish on our passing games overall, but especially if he can't. All right, let's take a break. And then on the other side, we'll talk about these matchups a little bit more. Cool. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. Let's talk about, let's just stick with Giants offensive or with the offense and uh, the Packers on the defensive side. So you've already kind of laid it out, right? Like Daniel Jones, they're running the ball with him. They're moving him on the run uh, when they're getting into the passing game. Saquon Barkley's doing a great job running. Packers can't get any penetration plays, but like, if if he's having to be a drop back quarterback, what what do you think the odds are for your Giants? Not high. I Not mean, high. If, if we get into you know third and long situations, like you might as uh, unless Saquon's making a play like on a check down, you might as well just punt the ball. Like I I don't see how we're we're moving the ball if we're not staying ahead of the sticks. Um, yeah, uh, it's 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 ugly. The receiving room might be. I mean, this is a battle of two of the maybe bottom three receiving rooms in the league right now. Um, so, should be a fun slog fest for all our British fans over there. But yeah, the the other thing too, the Packers are going to give you hope at the beginning of the game. The Packers on their opening drive defensively, they're terrible. I don't I don't think they've stopped a team from scoring. In the in the opening drive, and this is a defense that hasn't allowed a ton of points, right? Like yeah. I know from like an efficiency standpoint, they've been pretty bad. Um, but usually, like when they're they're able to like allow teams to get drives, like uh, against Tampa and stuff, they're punching out the ball at some point during it. So it's it's a really weird split of like their opening drive; they're just terrible. They look like they can't play football. It's it's infuriates fans to no end and then after that they end up looking like half decent and they're able to get turnovers and stuff but that opening drive I just assume you know they're gonna defer you know to start the game Giants get the ball and they just drive the length of the field for a touchdown and that's when the game starts I feel like Giants are gonna come out do have two or three tight ends on the field on 80% of plays on this first drive and just try and run the ball down your guys throat, see what we can get and you know hopefully that keeps the chains moving but um i don't know the other the other thing that kind of just came to my mind like if wandale and tony can play like maybe we go away from all of our tendencies this season just try and get the, the ball in their hands in the quick game to change things up i mean that's really the only way i could see us moving the ball uh, passing perspective like if jones is not going to be mobile so this was the other thing too since you brought up tony was it weird that Saquon was the Wildcat quarterback? Because Tony did that in high, he was like all state in Florida at quarterback. Right. He didn't convert to wide receiver until he was at Florida. And they, we had, you know, that's kind of the, the rap on him, right? Is uh, yeah. like he's not really polished around the edges because he hasn't played receiver for a long time. So I know Tony's a smaller guy, but in terms of like just getting the ball in his hand, like, would you be surprised if they were running Wildcat stuff with Saquon or with Tony in this I would game? Not. I would not at all. Um, that's definitely a narrative too. I was looking up Tony before this to see like 
any updates on you know his health and like half the tweets are like tony's gonna be our quarterback for uh the london (laughs) game like i I would not be surprised to see dable kind of mix it up a little bit there with such a limited you know quarterback situation how how are you liking dable and it doesn't sound like he's doing exactly what he was doing with the bills which is kind of what i find interesting i think he's gone back i think the bills was more of an adaptation to josh allen Mm -hmm. like if you look at you know, formation with, like, they were running the spread for all three years he was yeah. in Buffalo. But they're they're back to kind of being a more condensed formation team. Um, I really like Dable so far. It seems like the players are really responding to him. Um, I, I loved his call to go for two to, for the win in week one. And just, you know, that was a great way to start the season. They've made a lot of great uh, second-half adjustments in the run game, too. And it's run, the run him and Kafka are running, like, a very diverse run game. Um, that kind of just pokes and prods until we can, you know, find the way to exploit that defense. Um, so I've been, I've been very happy with, you know, this new regime, Martindale too, from the other side of the ball. I know, yeah. you know it's, he's live or die, but the Giants defense is definitely punched above their weight as well. Who's is Kafka calling plays? Kafka is calling plays. Yeah. Dave will gave that up. Nice. Um, he's a guy who might get a head coaching job. Pretty soon. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was uh, like a hot name two years ago, too. Yeah. Quarterbacks coach. It's like I wouldn't. Chiefs Andy Reid disciple. I wouldn't be surprised, again, just because of like the off field stuff with the enemy. I wouldn't be surprised if Kafka ends up getting a head coaching job before he does, which would be kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, Daywell, any weird like clock management stuff that he's done? I know it's kind of wonky with some of those guys because he was, he was a booth offensive coordinator for the bills. And now he's on field head coach, which can always be a pretty big jump because you're changing your perspective of like where you're even seeing the game. Right. I think he's done a good job of delegating in that respect. I I haven't noticed anything egregious from a game management perspective. He's certainly not Nathaniel Hackett. uh... (laughs) (laughs) You guys got to figure out. I, I really wish, do you think that there's any way to quantify like clock management? in a way that's like consumable for, for fans, because I feel like if they had those numbers, we would be able to bully some of these coaches a lot more because it's yeah. offensive sometimes what some of these guys do. Well, so like I've got, I've gotten requests from like NBC and stuff um, to break down, like, cause we can use our wind probability calculator and adjust like the time mm-hmm. to like show how much wind probability the Broncos cost in week one by waiting 40 seconds to call the timeout. Yeah. And it was like 4%. Like, it's a significant amount. I mean, yeah. the, the choice to kick a 64-yard field goal in Seattle was significantly more cost-worthy, but also losing 40 seconds didn't help anyone either. So th- there's definitely ways. Um, I know we also have, like, playtime, like, uh, game uh, play clock stuff and, like, time between snaps. We just haven't really explored that data yet, but it's definitely something, like, I would like to look into eventually. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions about your job now. So I, I, this is, we're breaking away from Giants Packers, but okay. it's because I like all this nerdy stuff. You know, I worked in a front office for for the uh-huh. XFL. I like all this stuff. This is basically I was living in in data for two and a half years around football. I remember. First thing I want to ask: all these win pro- probability models that said, you know, they had a twenty percent chance of making that field goal in in Seattle, right? The the Hackett field goal. Yeah, ours was uh, – we said it was 14%. 
How? That would have been the longest outdoor field goal in NFL history. Is, is some of that yeah. data trained on indoor games? Yeah, so um, our model takes into account uh, weather effects, altitude, and everything. Um, and it, we basically use a survivor curve because the better kickers are going to kick longer right. field goals. So we try to account for that. Um, you know, 14% is still super low. I, right. I, I think that, you know, it's been made in, indoors and in high altitudes. Um, I, I feel decent about that number. <laughs> okay, second question. What's your day-to-day gig like? So you work for Next Gen Stats, right? Yeah. People hear that and they're like, yeah. okay, this guy works with numbers. But like, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so uh, we have a pretty like regimented schedule when it comes to deliverables. Um, there's a team of uh, five of, of us analysts right now, um, which has grown over the last two years. But basically um, on Monday, we put the, our main priority and main deliverable is Thursday night packet, Thursday night football. Um, which has now become like our premier product with Amazon Prime and the Prime Vision broadcast, which everyone should check out if they have not yet already. Um, and then uh, Tuesdays we deal with NBC. Wednesdays we do uh, the main Fox games. So that's the Olsen Burkhardt crew. Mm-hmm. And Thursdays we put together um, a Monday Night Football packet. And these research packets, as you, uh, I sent to you, um, you know, we kind of try and break down the matchup, usually, you know, three to four, five pages diving deeper on, you know, trends with these teams, trying to highlight what, where the players win, where players are struggling. Um, And then during all these games that we provide packets for, we're providing in-game support with the production team to get our stats on air. And we have deals, sponsorship deals with Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Fox. Uh, Usually it's about three of the main broadcasts per year where we need to get a next-gen stats execution in. Uh, so that's when you hear Chris Collinsworth going, and here, going to our next-gen stats. And he does a 10-second, 30-second uh, you know, talk over a clip with our stats in there. Um, so that's kind of our main priorities. But we also have – we wear a lot of hats. Um, every Wednesday now we write a uh, power rankings article based on our stats. Um, we run the next-gen stats Twitter account. We – uh, manage all the dashboards um, that power our website, um, which is available to our team clients uh, or to all teams, uh, and then also our media clients, um, which we are kind of trying to constantly iterate upon and build out, um, among other things, and kind of just other side projects here and there, uh, working out, helping working with the engineering team to come up with new metrics. Uh, we're actually launching a coverage classification model next week, which we're really excited about. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much the day-to-day. Awesome, man. The Prime Vision stuff, amazing. That's the best broadcast in football. If you guys haven't watched it, the Amazon Prime stuff, you can go down. I think it's like the bottom right corner and click around, you know, for Thursday night football and change kind of like what the broadcast is. If you go to the Prime Vision, you're getting like the all 22 basically, and it has – you know, all the play, like the skill player names on it, like on the offensive side, you can see what routes they're running in game. I mean, it really does help because you could watch the game live and you're like, oh, the dig opened up and the quarterback exactly. just didn't throw it. And it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's got something for everyone too. You know, like it's got yeah. the all 22 for all the film guys. It's got, you know, our, our hit rate on our notes in our packet for Amazon Prime Vision is 
about, you know, 80 to 90% is getting in there, like on the L bar compared mm-hmm. to, you know, a main broadcast, we might get two or three notes in it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have a cool fourth down decision guide that comes up on the uh, right side. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Sam Schwartzstein, who's been doing a great job with that. I'm, I'm on Slack with him during every Thursday night football game, going back and forth with him, trying to feed him some great stats. And he's doing a great job with that. I love Sam. I'm excited. He's uh, working in, you know, forward facing football role again. Um, he, yeah, he was, he worked with us at the XFL. I think he provided a quote or uh, a chapter even for uh, Tyler Brooke um, on our staff. He just wrote a book about uh, kind of like the nerdy side of football and uh, Sam was able to help there. So Sam's got some fans at APC. Yeah, I love Sam. Excited for him. Um, let's get to the other side of the ball now. Wink Martindale. Wink is- Martindale. I'm very excited about what he can provide against the Packers because the Packers really through the first two games of the season, they were just seeing quarters, right? I mean, against the Vikings and the bears, they're just basically saying, seeing two high safeties against Tampa. You saw more pressures, right? A whole lot more pressures. And then against new England, new England was playing them a lot of single high, right? So now we're getting back to, a team that probably is going to play them closer to like what Tampa did defensively, and that Tampa gave the, oh, number one single high in the parade this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're sending pressures too. Is yeah, is sending pressure, heavy pressure, as Wink as is Wink Martindale's DNA. So what he does, a lot of sim pressures, a lot of just blitzes, a lot of DBs coming off the edge. Uh, McKinney and Julian Love have both have a few pressures apiece this year, um, and you know. No one loves other than maybe Miami aligning like six guys on the line of scrimmage and doing just sending five, you know, and messing with the protection for the wake. So how do you think the Packers match up with that? Because the way I see it, you know, Green Bay, the way that they test these teams when they get into those pressure situations, it's a lot of like either they're going to RPO it and see if you're bluffing or not. Right. I think, I think Rogers, unfortunately for the Giants, I think this is like a perfect matchup for Rogers. Like he kills the blitz. He always has killed the blitz. And, you know, he's just going to get rid of the ball immediately every time. The, the pass rush is not going to have a chance to get home if they're staying ahead of the sticks and, you know, don't need to push the ball downfield. So, I mean, it's going to be up to the Giants to rally and tackle and like make sure, you know, this turns into a slog fest and there's no explosives. But, um, I mean, you look at the Packers offense, I, I gather a few notes here, but like, it's just all flat routes, all flat routes, like <laughs> hitch routes, non-existent, uh, digs, non-existent, corners, non-existent. They, he's throwing flats at the highest rate for the third straight season, throwing slants at the second highest rate. Um, and, you know, it, it works for them. I mean, Rogers gets the ball quickly, gets the ball into uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones's hands and let them create after the catch. But, you know, they just don't have the guys to vertically stretch it. And they're living on this. And we'll see, you know, how long that lasts. Because it's a very delicate way to play offense. Yeah, they they do test deep. But usually it's, like, pretty clear we're getting cover one situations. And they're throwing slot fades, right, up the, up the sideline. That seems to be kind of what they're doing. And they've had mixed results in that, right? Like, they, it's kind of what it is, right? Like, a slot fade is either – 
going to be a massive play that's going to go 25 plus or it's going to be incomplete. Yeah, it's just kind of what you live and die with. So it's weird to see them just not really have explosive plays. And I don't know if it's like a they need to get under center more and, you know, start running some of this boot action stuff more. But they've been in the gun so much because of the RPO game that, like, yeah. it, it doesn't it, – they're trending in a different direction right now is, I guess, the best way to say it. I guess they have missed some big plays. You know, obviously there's a Christian Watson drop in week one. Yeah. And then, like, you know, Dobbs had that drop in the end mm-hmm. zone, the Dez esque catch uh, that was last week or two weeks ago. Last week, yeah. Um, but, you know, Lazard has really been their downfield guy since he's returned accounting for 40% of their air yards. So um, Dabs right now is running a really limited route tree. It's like all screens and goes. Um, so we'll see if, you know, that develops as he develops as a player. But um, yeah, I know, I know you're the biggest uh, Romeo Dabs fan in the world. <laughs> I just enjoyed the off season of Romeo Dobbs. The, the starters didn't play at all in the preseason. Yeah. We had to do something. So I was like Dobbs and then people were like, is Dobbs actually going to be, like the number one wide receiver. I was like, he's wide receiver four. Like his, his ADP and fantasy, like all that shit just skyrocketed after he was. Just because of me. I will say I bet, I bet two guys for offensive rookie of the year, both plus 10,000. It was Romeo Dobbs and then Tyler Algier. I think is how you say his name. The running back for Atlanta. Yeah. They're, they're just sitting solid now. I think both of them have won rookie of the week now. Yeah, that, that your boy's got the eye. Your boy's got the eye. I can still evaluate some of these guys. I haven't yeah. lost my touch yet. Like those, those are good spots. They just need opportunities. One injury happens, and both of them are looking great now. Um, who coverage wise, right? So Wink is going to have to sit in a lot of man if he's going to send a lot of these pressures. Yeah, he loves he loves cover zero more than pretty much anyone since Greg Williams too. So yeah, how are these corners doing? In New York. Uh, Dory had a really strong start to the season, and he's actually been pretty good with the Giants in terms of like completion percentage allowed. Um, he'll still give up plays, but on a consistency basis, he's been solid. Uh, Aaron Robinson was playing really well before he got hurt, so we'll see who steps in there. Uh, and then Julian Love in the slot is a, a useful player. Adori is so weird because Adori was a guy who his issues have never been coverage, but in Tennessee, at least, he was such a liability in the red zone as a guy who was ran at. Yeah, like that's probably why they made the change there. He's kind of been a pretty willing tackler this year. I, nice. I, it seems like all the defensive backs are. It might just be like a philosophy thing under Wink, but like these guys have been cleaning up and pursued on the on the outside, which will be big against you know Aaron Jones. Uh, Dylan's more of an inside guy, but. Aaron Jones on the edge. We do not want to allow him to get some explosive that way. Cause that's really the only way your offense has been generating explosives. Yeah. And green Bay at the goal line. I mean, green Bay at the goal line, they do so many of those funky things, right. Where yep. you can look back and see like, you know, Jalen Ramsey throwing his hands up because the Packers ran a double motion and they don't pick someone up and Rogers just dinks down for, for a touchdown that those are the things I'm like, I don't know. Do they attack? A Dory in that way because the one benefit that they have with some of these wide receivers is they are still like pretty big wide receivers who are very willing blockers like if you even get 
you know, Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb out there on the goal line. I wonder if they can like move Adori a little bit and if he could be tested in that aspect. Cause that is something that he's kind of been inconsistent at. Lazard's a, a good end, uh, red zone weapon too. I mean, he, yeah. I think he's like top ten, five in the league in end zone targets since last year. Yeah. Blitz rate for uh wink. I'm looking at it right now. You gave me the stats. 2018, he was third, 2019, first, 2020, first, 2021, sixth. And that was with backup corners. Yeah. In, in That's Baltimore. Why he dialed it back a little bit. That, he dialed it he back was, to he six. He was dialing with, it back, but it was still like 32% and sixth at highest in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, this year, it, it's second. And when you look at DB blitz, right? So he's sending, you know, guys off of the slot and stuff like that. First, first, second, second, first. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to send a ton of blitzes. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm, I'm excited because it's an opportunity, but I'm not sure it's going to totally break in green Bay's way on this side. That's what I'm worried about. Like if, if, if wink can mess up Rogers with blitzes, then I'm, then I'm worried if the offense would, can't score points this week, I'm uh, legit worried about the rest of the season. How is the protections been like in terms of, I mean, is, is Rogers like just protection proof? In that way, like I know, like as you said, Jenkins has been struggling. Doc yeah. is finally back from the dead, I guess. Yeah. But, um, like, have they been able to sort shit out? Because that's like the one thing I would worry about going against Wink Martindale. The big play, Tampa did one of those things where they walked seven guys down the line of scrimmage, right? And Rogers, I think one benefit with Rogers is, and it sounds dumb, but his cadence, the fact that he can mess with his cadence so much, he was able to do that with Tampa. Yeah. And, you know, you see one linebacker starts to, like, bail out a little bit. Rodgers changes the protection. The way Tampa did it, they walked down seven guys, and they looked like they were going to overload one side. But the overloaded side, the outside linebacker starts walking out when Rodgers hits them with a double count, changes the protection, and is, like, completely flip it to the side that they're not showing pressure to. Post-snap, all the guys on the overloaded side bail out, and then they're sending, like, slot corners and, and down safeties from the other side. And they pick it up totally fine. They th- end up throwing a first down to Robert Tunyon. So I think Rodgers will be down uh, or be, will be solid in terms of being able to, like, sort that stuff out on the line of scrimmage. One thing that kind of worries me a little bit, though, in that same Tampa game um, on – actually, I think it was the slot fade to Alan Lazard down the sideline. You know, you kind of see how Newman, who's been practicing at right tackle up until Jenkins came back, into the lineup and Jenkins now at a new position at right tackle, haven't totally figured out how to communicate, you know, in terms of like live snaps, especially on the road in a hostile environment. I mean, I assume there's going to be a good amount of Packers fans in London, but who knows with European fans, if they can be quiet. There's no such thing as a hostile environment in a football game in London. Yeah. I I, I just don't know. There was uh, I saw like, Marion Barber Chiefs jerseys, Joey Harrington Lions jerseys. Like, there's just, like, people are just there to enjoy the game. There's, like, no crowd noise you have to worry about. I, okay. I don't think there's going to be an uh, issue there in terms of communication. Um, but, uh, how's, how's the interior of your guys' line? Because Dexter Lawrence was a fucking monster last week. I think it's solid, but we've seen a little bit more up and down from Josh Myers at center, which has kind okay. of been worrying me a little bit. I think – John Runyon Jr. is very good. I think Newman is way more comfortable at right guard. I mean, I think ideally Newman is a guy coming off the bench, but 
he's been doing better than he did as a rookie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Lawrence, Lawrence pretty much won the game, I would say, for the Giants last week. I think he had 12, pre- like 10 pressures or something like that, like was just eating the center's lunch every play, blowing up the shit in the backfield. So Bears fans were excited that. about this year. I, can't, I could not, could not believe it. I could Bears not fans. believe it. Uh, um, no, but on that play in Tampa, that slot fade, they just turned an edge rusher loose. Like you can hear Newman say like, Ray, 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 to like fan out on the right side. Uh-huh. And Jenkins just, I mean, it was like picked up on the microphones for, for the Fox team. Jenkins yeah. just didn't pick up the edge rusher. They end up two on like the three tech and, and, you know, free edge rusher Rogers, thankfully, I mean, he knows he's going to throw a slot fade piece of pre-snap alignment because he's getting cover one, but he was able to deliver a ball. But I mean, he holds that ball a half beat longer and he's just taking an edge rusher to the face. So I think, I think in terms of like sorting out protections, I don't think it's a Rogers issue as much as an offensive line issue, Yeah, but I mean, maybe we get a couple, I mean, even last week we had Rogers yell at, at, at uh, Josh Myers, snap the fucking ball and just like chuck the ball at him, like during a free play attempt. So I don't know. I, I could see him blowing up on the offensive line a couple of times. I feel like we're due. Yeah, definitely a nice little Rogers tantrum in our, uh, what did he say in, in that uh, interview? He learned how to love himself. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then on Sunday Night Football, he's just screaming at everyone. He does do that. So they asked him about it on McAfee on Tuesday. I have to watch it uh, every time just to see if you know he's going to say anything because he has an live mic for an hour. And he's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't practice patience there. He's a weird guy. He's a weird he's guy. Weird, dude. I don't weird. actually understand how he, how he works. It seems like there's two different Aaron Rodgers and it's like the on-field Aaron Rodgers and then the Aaron Rodgers who's like mindfulness and they just yeah. do not, they're not compatible at all. He just has to yeah. turn to a different guy when he's off the field. It's weird. I mean, you probably don't want a mindfulness Zen guy as your quarterback. You kind of want a killer. So yeah, it's, it's probably good for him. Who game. would be like mindfulness quarterback like Mariota I guess I guess it'd probably be like Mariota something like that maybe let's get into uh predictions Packers Giants what are you expecting in this game I am expecting a close slog fest for the first you know two maybe three quarters but I think the Packers pull away and probably win by multiple possessions in the end, I think I think Rodgers ends up hitting a shot play, and the Giants just can't get anything going explosively. Um, I, if you, if I got to say a number, let's say twenty to ten. That's pretty close to what I was. I was going to say like twenty four fourteen. So that makes sense. Yeah, I, I want one more take on the way out. New York yeah. Giants, they got to go back to the actual like Giants helmets, right? Like the jerseys from like the eighties are the best ones. Oh, absolutely. And the Giants, I mean, did you see what they were wearing last week? Like, it, yeah, that's the best jersey in the league. I, I, mean, I it is it's it's really player. weird because like the NFL, it seems like they figured out uniforms in the 80s. Yeah. Everyone's uniforms in like the 80s or like really early 90s were are better than what they have right now. Oh, absolutely. And the Giants jerseys on game day, like if you go to a game at MetLife, it's going to be like still 30 percent people in the old school jerseys yeah they gotta go back they gotta go back to it sometimes you gotta get in order to go forwards you gotta go backwards (laughs) uh plug plug all your stuff 
Uh, yeah, just follow me at uh, Keegan Abdi on Twitter and uh, make sure you tune into Prime Vision. Uh, you'll see our shit everywhere. But, you know, if you don't follow the Next Gen Stats account, make sure to do that and uh, be on the lookout for our weekly Power Rankings article that comes out every Thursday morning. Awesome.